Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn with me this morning to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Amen. Psalm 119, and I want to preach a message entitled, Hear Me and Help Me. Hear Me and Help Me. Psalm 119, it's a very, it is the longest chapter in the Bible. Uh, So if you will find verses 169 through 176, we're going to read that together in just a moment. Psalm 119, verses 169 through 176. There have been fascinating rescue stories of individuals buried alive in mudslides and avalanches, other types of things. Even more recently in Haiti last year in the earthquake there in remarkable things of how somehow they were able to survive. And they were able to survive because rescuers heard them and were able to reach them and to get through to them. A number of years ago, my wife and I saw a special uh, on television about an area in Australia where uh, a man was alive for a long, long period of time in rubble that resulted from an avalanche. And the rescues heard him. And were eventually able to extract him from what otherwise would have been a tomb of rubble. And that tomb of rubble had already claimed his wife. But amazingly, he was spared. His cries for help were heard. And those who heard it were able to help. It's an amazing thing. There are people today on a daily basis who... There are various cries for help. I know I've shared this story in the past uh, before, but I want to just share it again because oftentimes we are unable to really distinguish what certain cries for help really are because the typical cry for help is, well, we know, help, help, I need help. But you know, when it comes down to life and living life, people are not that open about needing help. But they will often cry for help in other ways. A number of years ago when I was back on the East Coast and I was in Rhode Island, I was reminded this morning by my oldest daughter that I I really am supposed to be a New England fan. And she's right. I grew up in New England. I was supposed to be a Patriots fan and somehow turned out a Steelers fan. But I remember a number of years ago in New England uh, ministering in the youth group of Zion Gospel Temple. It was the temple or the church that was associated with the Bible college that I attended, uh, Zion Bible College. And uh, at the time, I was part of the the group that helped out in the youth group. And I remember this one young lady who came. uh, This was in the late 80s. And so I don't know if any of you remember the uh, outerwear of the 80s. And the, the dress of the 80s and that whole fashion scene. But many of the young people took it to another level. You know, there was the big hair, right, with the hairspray for the girls. Just It was hair out to here. But when you got into the punk scene, the punk rock scene, often they would just dress in all black. They would have black lipstick, nails, the whole deal. It was just, 
It was this disconcerting, this gothic kind of look. And I remember this one young lady came to the church or came to the youth group that time. She came dressed like that and, you know, never smiled, always had this sort of a, you know, mean kind of look on her face. And my first instinct was this girl needs some serious help. Somebody's going to straighten out her attitude, you know, because clearly, clearly she has a huge attitude. But as I continued to work with the youth leaders, they began to share with me her story. Remember one night, one night we dropped her off at her house and she got out on the, the street in Providence and went up to her, her place where she lived, her apartment. And I remember as we drove away, uh, the youth leader and his wife began to share with me what her story really was. They said that her, her stepfather had tried to rape her. He had tried to take advantage of her. And this outward show of anger was nothing more than a cry for help. That somehow on the inside she was hurting so badly. She was bruised on the inside so badly. And her only hope, brothers and sisters, was that she would come to know Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think I remember as time went on, that young lady bowing her knee in a youth group and beginning to weep in the presence of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, the cry for help is not always what we begin to think about as far as how we would cry for help when we're in danger. But there are cries for help that people have in their lives as they go throughout life. Somehow, maybe it is, that they begin to go to a bottle to pour in something in their life to numb the pain. It's a cry for help. They begin to take some kind of drug to somehow deal with the situation that they're involved in and they find that that drug, just for a little while, it numbs the pain that they have to go through. Maybe they get into a relationship where they think, I finally found the one, the one who's going to finally make me happy and give me everything I need and all All it does is it numbs the pain for just a little bit and just a little while. But I want you to know today that there is somebody, there is somebody who is able to not only hear you, but there is somebody who is not able, only able to get through the outer exterior cry for help and that pain that's on the inside. But there is somebody who is able to hear that cry for help and somebody who is able to come to your rescue and pull you out of the rubble that you might be in. You can't even pray it in words that you can understand, but the Bible lets us know that the Spirit of God knows what's God might be able to hear you, but you know what? He's fed up with you. He's not going to help you. You've messed up too badly. You've made stupid decisions. You've made wrong decisions. You've chosen the wrong path in life. You've chosen some things now that you're paying for, and you're going to have to pay for it for the rest of your life. God isn't going to come to your rescue. Can I just stop right here and let you know today that that is a lie from the pit of hell. God is a God of second chances, and he not only hears you, but he will help you. A lot of times we pray, Lord, help me. There are those I know who can somehow condemn that kind of praying as selfish prayer, but it really, in the end, it isn't. It just simply shows a dependence on the Lord. 
It shows, Lord, I'm absolutely dependent on you for everything. Lord, I need your help today. Maybe some of you in this building today, you've, you've made some bad choices. You've made some wrong choices. But you know what? Today you can pray this prayer with David. You can cry out to him and you can say, Lord, I need you to hear me. I need you to hear me. And that's what he prays. Lord, hear me. Verses 169 through 172. We're not going to take the time to read that over again. But the psalmist had a way of putting, putting things and saying things that obviously was most impressive and poetic. Essentially, the psalms are songs or poetry. And they, they are written in such a way as to express the heart of the individual, whether it was David or Asaph or Solomon or Moses or any number of people who contributed to the book of the Psalms, they had a way of expressing things to the Lord. Yet, the amazing thing about this is David wasn't depending on his ability to say the right things. You ever go to the Lord in prayer and somehow you think you gotta, you know, you gotta kind of finesse the right words in order for God to, to really, you know, really minister to your need? Somehow we gotta, you know, gotta get the right thing to say. And there are times where Maybe it is that you, you wax eloquent in your prayer. You think, man, God's going to answer that one. Whew, I just, just really had the best kind of prayer ever. But can I tell you that it's not, it's not how you say it. It's not what comes out of your mouth. It's not, it's not the way you're able to put the words together. Look, most of us are not wordsmiths, including me. But when it comes to prayer, God is looking at the heart. He's looking at what is going on on the inside of you as you cry out to the Lord. Now, more than ever before, we know and we understand that talk is cheap. You might practice, you might promise something and then not fulfill it. Someone might promise to, you know, to, to help you with something and they never show up. And we know that you know, you can say things, but it's when you follow through on those things that really make a difference. What did God say about the pe people in Isaiah's time? Listen to what he said. He said this in Isaiah 29 and verse 13. The Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. When David prayed, it was, it was to have God hear not just his words, but his heart. <laughs> Prophet Samuel reminds us of this important thing. When he went to anoint the next king of Israel after God had rejected Saul, Samuel looked and he saw all of David's brothers. David was not there, but, you know, his brothers. And they're standing there. These guys are soldiers. These guys are, you know, they're strong and they're impressive. And they're, you know, they're, they're men now. And they're... they're and, Samuel said, surely, Lord, you know, this first guy, the oldest, he's got to be the guy. Look at him. Take a look at him. And right then and there, God takes the time to express to Samuel and, and teach him an important lesson that God does not look at the outer appearance. God does not look on the outward, but he looks on the heart. When it comes to crying out to the Lord, Lord, hear me. It's not about what words you say. It's what's coming out of the depths of your spirit. It's what's coming out of your heart saying, God, I need you to minister in this situation. Whether it's your own life that you need help with. Or maybe you're praying on behalf of somebody else. But it's crying out to the Lord and saying, God, I need you to come in this moment and change the situation. God looks at what's going on on the inside of the heart. In another place, the psalmist prays and says, deep calls to deep. 
God hears the deep things of the inside of you, of your heart, and whatever it might be today. Maybe it is that you walked into this building, you know you need something from God, but you don't even know how to ask for it. That's all right. It's not about how you ask. It's about whether or not you're willing to take that step toward his presence and say, Lord, you're the only one who can help me here today. You're the only one who can change the situation. And Lord, I'm going to run to your presence until I find that help that I need. Let's take a look at the prayer for a moment, shall we? What does he pray for? When he says, Lord, hear me, Here's what he prays for. First of all, he prays for enlightenment. Look at verse 169. The Bible says this. May my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. It's very important to look at that word according to and understand that it's not saying give me understanding of your word. He's not asking for the Lord to help him understand the word of God. There are other places in Scripture that you could go to and you could realize that, yes, God wants to help you with that. The Holy Spirit will help you to understand the Word of God. But David wasn't praying for understanding of the Word or about the Word. This is understanding according to the Word. And that is simply this. It's understanding that goes across the wide expanse of your life because you understand his word. In other words, you've got to spend time in the word so that then you can understand how to deal with and handle situations the way that the word of God directs you to and tells you to. Sometimes we make wrong decisions because we are not allowing the word of God to dictate how we decide things. We're not going to the word of God to find out what the word is directing us to do. And many people say, well, but I just don't understand it. You can understand a great deal of the word of God. And when you don't understand it, pray. And say, Lord, help me to understand your word. But this is understanding that helps you to filter the junk out in life. When you're faced with a problem, when you're faced with a difficulty, you can tackle that thing, you can face that thing as a result of the fact that you know the word of God and the word of God, well, what does David say? He says this a little bit earlier in this same chapter, Psalm 119 and verse 105. Just turn maybe a page over in your Bible and you'll see it. Psalm 119, verse 105. The Bible says this. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In other words, it's going to direct me in the way that I need to go. It's going to shine a light in a darkened world when I may not be able to figure it out on my own. This is understanding according to the word of God. So I've got to understand the word in my own heart. I've got to know the word, get it into my spirit, get it into my heart. As David said early, even earlier in the same chapter that I might not sin against you. But then to be able to deal with whatever comes my way, this is understanding according to the word. Now, I could spend too much time on this. 
because there are so many areas in life where we completely ignore what the Bible says and we go with our gut, we go with our, our prejudices, we go with our preconceived ideas and we make decisions based on those things. The word of God, brothers and sisters, if you're a believer, this ought to be your rule book. It ought to be your guidebook. It ought to help you to make decisions tomorrow when those decisions come up on the way. Let me move on. He prays for enlightenment, but he also prays for enablement. Take a look at verse 170, 170. The Bible says, may my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your promise. May my supplication come before you. That is basically saying, Lord, hear me. Hear me, Lord. May my supplication, my prayer come before you. And now, Lord, give me enablement. He cries out for deliverance. Deliver me according to your promise. Because he realizes that as a human being, he is powerless and helpless. Now, I realize there are a million self-help books on the shelf. <coughs> Television, radio is full of the, you know, the self-help gurus. All oh, the people is going to, you know, help you have a better life, help you to do things better. There were times in David's life where he rose to the heights. And there were times that he was in the depths. And there wasn't anything or anybody who was going to help him except the Lord. He came running back to the Lord every single time in his life, even when he messed up with Bathsheba and he had her husband killed and then then fathered her child who later on died. David David messed up royally folks and he was in the depths. But when he was in the depths, he learned how to do one thing, cry out to the Lord and Lord enable me to live right for you. Enable me to be righteous in a world that is so full of evil and 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 bad things and sin. God's enablement was going to help him to be able to live a life in the way that God wants. So many of us are trying to pursue our own dreams. We want what we want out of life. You know, we've got our hopes, we've got our ideas, and all of that is okay. It's all wonderful, but you know what? In the end, we've got to say, Lord, what is it that you want from my life? How is it that you want me to live? How do you want me to live every single day? What do you want me to do each and every day? And I'm not talking about, you know, Lord, should I get up and go to work today? Well, if you want to eat tomorrow, you might want to think about, if you still have a job, you might want to think about keeping that job. So that's not the kind of decision making I'm talking about. But like Julian mentioned earlier, I was so blessed to hear that. The opportunity to share the word of the Lord. He's on his job. He's in North Carolina on his job, doing his job. And all of a sudden, the other job takes over. I'm talking about the heavenly job. It says, be my witnesses in all the world, wherever you are. And brothers and sisters, that's what we need to do. We need to say, Lord, lead me, guide me, direct me. And Lord, deliver me so that I can live a life in a manner that is pleasing to you. He prays. We looked at the prayer. Let's look at the promise. Verses 171. In 172, we're not going to spend a lot of time in these verses, but there is a promise. And the promise was, Lord, I'm going to praise you. The first one in verse 171 says, May my lips overflow with praise, for you teach me your decrees. 
May my lips overflow with praise. Listen, anytime the word of God begins to grow in your heart and, and comes to light and you begin to see something in the word and it, you, you, like you've never seen it before, then David says, Lord, I'm going to praise you as a result of that. Sometimes we read it, we think about it, and then we walk away. We don't do anything with it. But we need to praise God. We need to thank him for what it is that he is showing us in our hearts, what it is that he is speaking to us. He says, my, may my lips overflow with praise. In other words, somebody's going to hear me. Might be in your house. Might even be right in the middle of the Bears game this afternoon. And don't you dare tell them to be quiet. If all of a sudden somebody starts praising the Lord in your house in the middle of the Bears game, don't you tell them to be quiet. Shame on you if you do. I can imagine all you'd be reading your Bibles about that time anyway. Oh, no, listen. It doesn't matter. It, the, he says, may it overflow. In other words, and, and people wonder sometimes, why are we loud when we praise? Well, the Bible lets us know that we need to overflow with praise. David said, may my lips overflow with praise. Can't quite do that silently. That's not quite a silent thing. And we look at that and we say, this was the promise he was going to make to the Lord. Lord, I'm going to praise you. There was something else he was going to do, that he would proclaim the word. Listen to what it says in verse 172. May my tongue sing of your word, for all your commands are righteous. May my tongue sing of your word, for all your commands are righteous. Listen, you might not be the best singer in the world, and that's not necessarily what it's talking about. It's talking about open your mouth to opening your mouth to proclaim the word of God, to lift the Lord up and proclaim his word. May my tongue sing of your word. Get it out of your mouth. Get it into, into somebody else's life. Get it out of your heart and get it into somebody else's heart. Get the word of God out so that people can hear it and they can respond to it. So he prays, Lord, hear me. Hear me. And here's what I'll do. I'm going to pray and I'm going to promise these things. I'm going to praise you and I'm going to proclaim your word. But then he says, Lord, help me. And two basic things. Lord, hear me. Lord, help me. If you don't pray anything else in your life over the next two weeks, next week or so, I want you to know that you're praying according to the word of God by praying, Lord, hear me. Lord, help me. Maybe it's not for you. Maybe it's for somebody else, but you can pray that prayer. Lord, help us in this situation. Help us in this difficulty. And this is what David prays. Look at verses 173, we're going to go down through to 176. Verse 173, when he says, Lord, help me, he is asking for the Lord to save him. May your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. David wasn't saying, now that I've chosen your precepts, you must be ready to help me. He wasn't even suggesting that God was obligated to help him because he chose to follow the word of God. Instead, here's what, what he was doing. He said, God, you're the one who has said to his people, if you keep my word, I'll rescue you. So he is simply reminding the Lord of his covenant promise. 
He is reminding the Lord, Lord, you said if I keep your word, if I follow your word, you will come to my rescue. You will help me. And brothers and sisters, when we cry out to the Lord, Lord, help me. Lord, save me. All we're doing is we're appealing to his covenant promise for us. He said he'd do it. And he promised he will. David was reminding God, God, this is what you've said. I'm not saying something new. This is what you have instituted in your word. And so, Lord, today I'm going to hold you to your word, and I need you to save me. I need you to help me. He says these words, may your hand be ready to help me. Now, I have known a lot of rescue workers. I was absolutely stunned as the rest of the world was. I'm sure I was glued when they were bringing the, the Chilean miners out of the ground. I don't know if you saw it on the news, but I was able to catch just a little bit of it and, and actually able to catch when the, the final worker came out of the ground. And it was amazing to me that, that they were ready to help, but they weren't sure that they were going to be able to help. When they got word that the, all of the miners were alive and they were, they were well and they were, they were under the ground, they were able to shoot food and water and all the things that they needed under the ground for that many months and that length of time. Their hands were ready to help them above, but there have been those who have been ready to help and been unable to help. Listen. David's crying out to the Lord, may your hand be ready to help me, Lord. And I want you to know that his hand is ready to help you. And now he doesn't stand above the ground and say, I can't reach there. No, I can't get to that situation. I can't get to that problem. I can't get to how low you are. I can't get down there. No, the Bible says that his arm is not too short that it cannot save. Brothers and sisters, you need to know that God is able to reach down to the very depths and pull you out. I got just this, this vision of, of how God just pulls us out. I mean, these guys were in a pit. They were in a, in a hole so far under the ground. Just this pocket that they were there for so long and unable to rescue themselves. This is how so many of us are. Unable to rescue ourselves. And then finally, they, were, they had the, the willpower. They had the, the ingenuity. They had the, the machinery. They put it all together. And they pulled these men out of this, the ground in this tiny little capsule. One by one, they came out of the ground until the final, final worker came up from, from beneath the earth. And it was such a, a, a voice of victory that went up. I remember seeing it and, and almost crying as I watched the television as that last worker came out of the ground. It's an amazing thing what mankind can do. But listen, man can't always save himself. Man can't always save you from your situation. But there is a God in heaven who will lift you out of whatever it is that you are dealing with today. He says, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. And then he says, Lord, satisfy me. Look at verse 174. Lord, satisfy me. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. God doesn't just help us by squeezing us through whatever the problem is that we're facing. But the Bible lets us know that he satisfies us. David longed for the salvation of the Lord in his life, not just the eternal life that God brings when we trust him as Savior, but David cried out to the Lord that the Lord in everything that we face and that he went through, that, that those things wouldn't seem and make him feel as though he was absolutely helpless. 
But in the middle of all of that, that he would fulfill the desires of his heart, the longing of his heart. Listen to what he says that he does. He says, your law is my delight. Lord, I take delight in your word. How many of us really delight in the word of God? How many of us really allow the word of God to get into our spirits and we take joy and delight in what it is that we read and what it is that we hear? So often we read the word of God and we just walk away from it and we forget what it is that we read. We forget how it ought to be affecting our lives and how it is that the word of God can satisfy the deepest needs of our lives, the deepest longings of our hearts as we commune with God and we get into his word. David cries out to the Lord saying, Lord, I long for your salvation. Lord, there's something on the inside of me that nobody around me can satisfy. Nothing around me can satisfy. Only you, Lord. Only you and only your word. So, Lord, satisfy me. Brothers and sisters, we've got to pray this prayer. Lord, satisfy the deep needs of my heart. Some of you might be looking in the wrong direction. You might be looking in somewhere that's not ever going to satisfy the longing of your spirit. And you wonder why it is that even though you attain something or you acquire something or you get something, that, that somehow you, you get that thing thinking it's going to, to help you, make you happy, and then you walk away from it. You think, that didn't make me happy. It didn't do anything for me. I can't. It, there's something else that's going on on the inside. It is because the Lord wants to be the one who will satisfy you through and through. You cannot find true, deep satisfaction until you find him, until you give your all to him. I realize today I'm saying this to many people who attend this church regularly, but it could be today that your eyes have been out of focus. This past week, last, this past week I had to go to the eye doctor. Notice that the reading of my Bible has been difficult, though I got to say thank you to Julian and to Bobby for my newfound light up here. It's wonderful. Between the two of them, they got this thing going. But, you know, I had to go to the eye doctor, and, and he put up this little card. And this is really the first indication something's really, really wrong and really bad. It, it's not too bad, but... It was bad to me because I, I'm nearly 44 years old and have not had to have eyeglasses of any kind. But he held up this little car. It has the lines, all the, the lines close together and a little red dot in the middle. And he said, cover up the right eye. Do the, you know, the, the lines, what are they doing? I said, well, they're just all straight. And he said, cover up the left eye. What are the lines doing? I said, ooh, they're making a circle. <laughs> and they're straight lines, but somehow they, they managed to make a circle. See, you got the slightest, slightest vision issue. And he said, I'll give you a $10 cheap pair of glasses, which, as you can tell, I'm not using. I just can't quite bring myself yet to it, you know, to do that in public. It's one of those little, you know, for those of you who've worn glasses all year, you're like, get over it, buddy. What's the matter with you? Forgive me, okay? I'm a little vain when it comes to that. I don't know. But, you know, it, it, was, it was obvious that there was a problem. And, and that thing was going to take care of this situation. Many times we think that we just, you know, we fulfill 
you know, fill our lives with all these things in our lives. It's going to take care of the need that we have. And yet everything that is external, unless you get to the real heart of the matter, nothing is going to correct it. I've done this, you know, you, you know, reading the little prescription bottles or the, the, the bottles of Tylenol for my daughters. And I'm looking at it, trying to figure it out. Can't quite, you know, figure out what the dosage ought to be. It's amazing they're still alive, but they're fine. But, you know, we, we, try, we try our best. And those glasses, they fill a need. I've had them on. They work. They work great. It satisfies. It does the trick. But many times we're trying the wrong prescription. We're trying the wrong thing. And David says the only thing that's going to satisfy is the Lord. The only thing. He prays and he says, Lord, help me. Not only satisfy me, but Lord, strengthen me. Verse 175 says, let me live that I may praise you and may your laws sustain me. You see, David wanted something produced in him. He wanted something wrought in him. And that is, let me live. He wasn't asking for God to give him things. He was asking for God to work on the inner man. More than what you need today on the outward is what you need on the inner man. What you need to be happening on the inside. And the only one who can do that for you is the Lord. The only one who can change what's going on on the inside of your heart is the Lord. The only one who can satisfy your heart is Him. He wanted that produced in Him. But He also wanted something brought from Him or brought out of Him. That is, He says, that I may praise you. Praise is something that flows out of your life. It's something that comes out of your heart. It comes out of your mind. It comes out of your mouth. He says, I'm going to praise you. One of the most important things that will come out of us, brothers and sisters, is praise. This is why the first part of our service is not spent in the Word of God. It's spent praising. Because praise prepares our hearts to hear the Word of God. When we begin to focus on the Lord, it prepares us to receive the Word of God. That's why we have time of praise and worship together. We give ourselves to saying, Lord, I'm going to praise you. Not only that, he wanted something to be taught to him. He says, may your laws sustain me. Sometimes strength comes in the form of what we know in our hearts. When you absolutely know something, you've got a strength on the inside. There is something that's going on on the inside of your heart. You know that you know. It's like one, one lady said, it's because I know it in my knower. You know, you got a knower somewhere there on the inside. You just know. Kind of like the way that, that Ryan knows the Packers are just going to beat the Bears. He's just, he's so confident today. And I'm impressed by his confidence. He knows it. You know it in your knower, right, Ryan? Come on, man, I got that amen. For all you Bears fans, you can get him later, all right? Just be nice. But, but you know, you, you know it. And, and this is what he says. He says, may your laws sustain me. I want the strength comes from when you know the word of God. And yes, the darkest hour comes and the difficult times come. But in the middle of all of that, you've got the word of God to hang on to. It sustains you in your life. It strengthens you. Yes, they can bring all the powers of hell against you. But because you know the word of God, you are able to stay. 
stand your ground to be strong. It's like the three Hebrew boys, they stood their ground. Why? Because they knew their God. They knew who it was that was on their side. And brothers and sisters, we've got to know the word of God. Listen, you can pray these prayers. Lord, hear me and Lord, help me. Lord, hear me and Lord, help me. And none of you will be violating scripture by praying that. Those are the two basic prayers that you can pray in life and you will find that, yes, the enemy will come along and he'll say, you know, God's not really hearing you right now. You know, you're, you're just talking to yourself. I've had that happen. Maybe you get past that lie that says that God's not hearing you. You say, I know God is hearing me. But maybe the doubt begins to creep in that he is actually going to do something. That he's actually going to help you. That he's actually going to bring about a change in the situation. And maybe it is in the middle of all of that. You find it hard to believe that God can help you in your situation. But I want you to know today that we find, if there is anything that we find in Scripture, it is this, that God hears his people and he helps his people. He hears those who call upon him and he helps those who call upon him. Even in the New Testament, we see and we understand the Bible lets us know those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not you shall be looked at. You shall be, you know, observed by God. No, God's going to do something when you call on him. When you cry out to God from the depths of your heart and you begin to get desperate and say, God, you've got to do something in my life right now. You've got to change the situation. You've got to change me, Lord. I want you to know that God will be there and he will help you and he will come to your rescue. You don't ever have to doubt and don't let the enemy come along with those doubts. But instead, you can stand and you can say in your heart, I know that God hears me and God will help me. Can we stand to our feet today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want the musicians to come back. In a few moments, we're going to sing that chorus we sang for the offering, Let God Arise. Because we're going to get to that part. We're going to sing, Let Faith Arise. All doubts and fears be scattered. Because what happens oftentimes is we read the word of God and the enemy immediately brings doubt in our mind as to whether or not it is really as God says. He's been doing that from the beginning. That's how he got Adam and Eve. That's how he got them. Did God really say that? Did God really mean that? Is that really what God has said? Yes, that's what God has said, brothers and sisters. And we're going to stand on the word of the Lord. But with every head bowed and every eye closed right now, I wonder if there's anybody in this building today. Maybe it is that you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Or it could be that you have strayed away from Him. And you know you need to get back to the Lord today. I'm not talking about an emotional experience, though emotion could most certainly be a company, whatever experience you have with the Lord. But I'm talking about today a decision to follow Jesus Christ, a choice to follow him and say, Lord, I'm going to give you my all and give you my best today. I'm going to give you everything that I have in my heart, and I'm going to give you my whole heart. I need you to come and to cleanse me of sin. Purify my heart and help me to live for you. If you're here today and that's you, you know you need Jesus Christ. You know you need him in your heart. Then right now, would you just lift up your hand and say, I need Jesus, and put your hand down. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Yes.